Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio as we continue to celebrate all the amazing people who are making this place, Mississippi, such a great place to live, work, and play. Kurt Allen from the Mississippi Aquarium is going to be coming up in the second half of the show. Before we go to Jeff Duncan, just wanted to share with you, I walked outside this morning. It's such a beautiful sunrise. Took a few pictures and posted it. And it, it, when I when I post that on my personal Facebook page, lots of my friends chime in. And, you know, we, we have some of the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises in coastal Mississippi in the world, really. But as I looked out over this sunrise this morning, I couldn't help but think about uh, the fact that Ann and me, my wife and I, are having to, to head to Birmingham. Uh, one, of, one of my beloved cousins died unexpectedly this past week. And um, so we're going to go celebrate her life. But as you look out over... Uh, back bay and see the sun rising. You think about um, you think about how how cherished life is. I come back. I came back into the house. I have these set of things I do every morning. One of the things I read is this digital history book that comes in, and it just so happens that one of the items in the digital history book was this: Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrates on reentry. All seven uh, astronauts were killed um, back in two thousand and three. And the quote for the day was this, life is a magical thing. Life is a magical thing. And that was actually said by Laura Clark, who is an astronaut and a medical doctor who was actually aboard the space shuttle uh, Columbia. You know, you just never know. You never know when, when, that, when that moment is coming. But um, life is a magical thing, and you should appreciate it with everything you've got every single day. We talk about it on the show all the time, live in the moment. But we should uh, we don't have to look far, none of us do, to be reminded about how important that really is. With that said, let me move over now to my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. I look I look back at my time at at in New Orleans and one of the one of the many things I had the privilege of working with so many incredible journalists there. Among them was Jeff Duncan, and I've been thrilled that he and I have continued to communicate through this show. So we're lucky to have him. He's on the NFL Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He's very awarded as a journalist and as a columnist, and he's here with us every single Friday. Jeff, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, Ricky. You know your um, your intro there reminds me of something that. Steve Gleason says a lot, uh, you know, when he was diagnosed with ALS, he was given basically two to three years to live. Uh, and, you know, he was given a timeline. And, and what he always says is, you know, we all have a timeline, but we just don't live like that. And I think that's totally true in, in this instance. I mean, we, we don't know what our timeline is, so we act like it's going to go on forever. And uh, I think it's a lesson for all of us to, you know, live each day to its fullest. We all have a timeline. We just don't live like we know it. Is that the is that the way he said it? Yeah, well, like we, so we all have a timeline. We just don't we just don't live like we have one. You know. Yeah, isn't that that's so powerful? It really is. Wow. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're we're headed to Birmingham, and we get to celebrate our life. Just such a large family. So many, so many uh, kids and grandkids, and. 
you know, my I grew I, I was born in Birmingham. So when my dad, who was a traveling salesman, went to Pensacola, Mobile, then Pensacola, then here, I was here by the time I was four years old. So I consider myself a Mississippi native. But uh, you know, obviously, we have very much kept in touch with that part of the family. And uh, when my father died back in 1979, my uncle Harold, he has three brothers and they were all terrific, but my uncle Harold sort of became the grandfather for, for my kids. And so we've, you know, we went to visit that family uh, two or three times a year. And then uh, his son, Harold was the best man in my wedding and his wife, Debbie is the one who just recently passed away. So it's um, it hits very close to home. Um, she was uh, someone who truly appreciated God's grace. I'm not. We shouldn't worry about her now. And she has you know, the entire family has a tremendous Christian base to to be able to draw on. But that's not going to help them in this moment as they contemplate the loss and living without Debbie. So we're going to go up there and offer our condolences and our hugs. That's for sure. Let's shift gears, buddy. You know, it's uh, it's been interesting. A lot of things going on. We're headed toward the Super Bowl. Lots of activities around that. I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. We've had the Senior Bowl that's happening over in Mobile right now. Uh, the Saints are looking for an offensive coordinator. Um, there's, a, there's a lot going on, man. So uh, how are things going in your world? Yeah, you know, it's uh, slowed down a little bit, which is good. Always welcome that kind of time to exhale after the season and then it ramps up pretty quickly in the NFL as you know I mean uh, the league year starts in um, early March and that starts with free agency and then it rolls right into the draft and next thing you know we're at training camp so I think I usually try to take a little time downtime at this period especially between the Super Bowl and NFC championship games and um, then just kind of get refocused for the for the long run. I mean, right now over in Mobile, the Saints, because of the close proximity, they're one of the few teams. I mean, they've got their entire scouting and coaching staffs over there. Uh, more and more teams, Ricky, are not sending their full staffs over there. It used to be you'd send everybody. It was almost like a NFL offseason convention. And you went out to a restaurant or a bar in Mobile. You know, it's not a very big little downtown area. Uh, you'd run into – you know, NFL head coach or Jerry Jones or somebody. Uh, it was always a lot of fun. It's not quite as crazy as it used to be. Yeah, I still see, you know, I follow it closely because as a former publisher of the Mobile newspaper, you know, we were a big sponsor of the Senior Bowl. And I've, I've mentioned on the show many times that, the you know, the Senior Bowl is kind of, there was a point where they wondered if it would continue, but it obviously they got through that hurdle. And the way that the city embraces it now that it's at the new stadium at the University of South Alabama, um, it's incredible. I mean, all the, all, as you point, it's, like, it's kind of like a mini Super Bowl because you got all these activities that are happening off to the side and certainly not the parties that we came to under, appreciate in New Orleans when New Orleans hosted the Super Bowl. But you get it. There's a lot of activities. They want to roll out the red carpet for not just the coaches and scouts and personnel that are coming in town, but also for the players. In fact, the interesting, um, I have a, a conversation coming up with uh, Wendy Sweatman. He's from Black Sea. He owns Sweatman Security. And they're actually the uh, security service for the University of South Alabama Stadium. So when when, uh, when we did this, the pre-recording of the, of the show, uh, he was there. And boy, this flurry of activity going on behind him. Um, but it's still seen as a place where you might be able to find a gym or two. And the Saints have had some luck doing that, haven't they? Well, they put a lot of emphasis on it because they get great access to the players. It's a chance for them and Jeff Ireland talked about that this week. 
chance for them to really kind of peel back the onion, the different layers, and get to know the person behind the film that they see of the player. Uh, so it's really, really kind of all the draft process kind of starts for them right now. And the scouts, of course, have been grinding away for months, going to games, evaluating prospects. This is really the first time the coaches get players' names on their radar. I mean, they, they've been playing a football season and, and game planning each week. So they they don't know who Caleb Williams is from somebody else, you know. Uh, and, and this is their first time to kind of figure out who might be available in the draft and start to evaluate these prospects. Well, look, you've helped us understand that the Saints personnel department is one of the best and led by Jeff Ireland. But most recently, uh, Cody Rager went to um, to the Broncos. That was a big loss, especially given the thought that there's at least some discussions, was some discussion about Jeff Ireland maybe headed you know somewhere to, to the West Coast. Um, you said before we started the show, you don't think we're going to lose Jeff Ireland, which is a good thing. And, and it, by the way, y'all had a headline that said Saints, uh, Jeff Ireland, Saints are not throwing up the red, I mean, the white flag. Excuse me, I mean, I'm blowing that. Saints are not throwing up the white towel after Broncos poach Cody Rager. Yeah. What's your What's your read on all that? <laughs> well, look, I mean, let's face it. There's a little friendly competition between former Saints head coach Sean Payton and and. The Saints organization, right? I mean, he's taken some of their best coaches and personnel executives away, and uh, I'm sure Mickey Loomis and his crew are not happy about that. Uh, but they know that's how Sean Payton's wired, man. I mean, he's he's one of these guys. I mean, all's fair in love and war for him, and uh, he's going to try and get the best and brightest. And Cody Razor is one of those guys. I mean, very talented evaluator. He was Jeff Ireland's right-hand man, kind of his protege, worked with him for years. Uh, and with Jeff Ireland interviewing with the Chargers earlier this uh, offseason, there was a chance he might go and become the general manager of the Chargers. They elected to hire someone else. So Jeff Ireland's uh, going to be on board unless something crazy happens with another team. Uh, so I think Cody Rager's looking for an opportunity, and he, it's a great opportunity. I think someone told me in the organization he doubled or tripled his salary. He's a young guy, just getting married. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, hey, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about this, and we won't go through the whole cadre of names here, but the reality is the Saints have done a really good job of developing pers- per, you know, front office people and coaches that are performing really well all across the NFL right now, haven't they? Yeah, and you have to give credit to Mickey Loomis. That's one of his strengths as an executive. Uh, you know, we see Terry Fontenot in Atlanta, and Kai Harley's obviously been interviewing around the league, Jeff Ireland. Uh, it's one of, I think, Mickey's greatest strengths is uh, allowing and empowering his executives below him. And uh, they've got a bunch of other ones in line, too. I mean, Mike Parenton, their director of pro personnel, I think will start uh, hearing his name around the league soon uh, for general manager positions. Uh, a lot of talent out there. And it's it, when that happens, uh, you know, you have to compete. It's a very competitive environment they're in. Well, Pete Carmichael's headed to Denver. I was wondering, you know, how many, what does that make now that have gone to uh, Denver? You guys actually have a tracker you started. It's a long list of players and, and others, either, you know, formerly with the team or, or directly from the team that are now in Denver. Uh, it's just kind of fascinating to watch that. But um, like all of, you know, like you said, it's, this is war. <laughs> they're going to take They're going to. They're going to take advantage of the opportunities they can get. Hey, when we get back on the other side, we'll continue our, our conversation with Jeff Duncan. See you after this break. 
His passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. Man, we got a lot to talk about in like this last this segment that we have here. I want to get his thoughts on who he thinks is going to win the Super Bowl, and there's lots of other things to talk about. But hey, before we get too far away from Denver, questions for you. One of the, one of the many names that are on the list that used to be with the Saints that are now with Denver. One of those is Will Lutz. The former kicker for the Saints. You think they regret not keeping him? Well, look, I think Blake Groupie had some growing pains, uh, but I think they're pretty confident in him. Uh, you know, he had a, a solid rookie year. I wouldn't say a great one, uh, but I think they feel like this is a guy that could be their kicker for the next several years. Uh, and yeah, he did struggle a little bit, especially on the sh- couple of short kicks he missed. But I think they're okay with it. His kickoffs were among the best in the league. Um, Will Lutz had a fine year with Denver. Uh, I think they're both quality NFL kickers. I don't think there's a huge difference between the two, to be honest with you. Listen, you and I have talked about this before. It's by now relatively well documented that that Michael Thomas is volatile. And he had a period of time when they were able to sort of get him in a space where he wasn't being disruptive. He gets injured. he He goes to Twitter. He deletes Twitter's. Uh, he, he, he he deletes tweets. He's back to Twitter again. But one of the interesting points is that I don't think he would be throwing uh, our quarterback under the bus the way he is, Derek Carr, if he didn't think that he wasn't going to be with the Saints next year. And the other thing, you, Jeff Duncan, seem to be inside Michael Thomas's head. How did you? How are you doing in there? <laughs> Look, man, Mike Thomas is a unique, complicated person. I think we all know that. I mean, he's a terrific uh, receiver, a guy that was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Uh, you know, Ricky, I mean, he was putting up numbers, unprecedented numbers. And then his career really, you know, got derailed by injuries. And we've seen now four seasons where he's had injuries. And I think he's just been frustrated. And I understand that. I mean, he. You know, he he basically signed a team-friendly, incentive-laden deal to come back to New Orleans, and he needed a big year uh, for his career, for his legacy, and it didn't pan out, right? He got hurt again. His numbers weren't that good, and I think he's just been frustrated and probably vented a little bit, and uh, knowing, knowing Mike Thomas, he'll be a different guy tomorrow than he was yesterday, and then he's just kind of all over the place sometimes. That's That's the Mike Thomas experience. But there's no question he can play, continue to play in the NFL. I just don't think it's going to be with the New Orleans Saints going forward. Okay, so but tell listeners how you got in his head. Well, look, I've written some some things that he thinks is very critical of him. I mean, it's my job as a columnist. I mean, my job is to, uh, you know, kind of give my take on things. And Mike Thomas is a very prideful guy. And so I think he's hypersensitive to that stuff. And look, he reads everything. He's one of these guys. Certain players, you can write something critical, and they don't even see it. It's not even part of their daily routine. Mike Thomas is on social media 24-7. He's one of those guys. So he sees everything and takes everything very personal. And, uh, you know, he's taken some of the columns that I've written, but mainly stuff written about uh, things that were well-documented. I mean, he got suspended by – by the head coach, missed a game. Uh, when I've always said, Ricky, 
uh, when you're what what goes on in a player's personal life, I never write about until it crosses over into their professional career. So when you do something off the field like he had this year, an incident off the field, and it affects him on the field and, and in the locker room, then it's fair game. And, and that's stuff that I think he's probably not too happy with, but it's part of the business. It is definitely part of the business. Um, in this mode of wanting to you know, change the culture or, or solidify the culture, however the Saints are talking about it, when you've got a guy that's out there tweeting what he's tweeting, he's not a good fit when you're in the process of trying to button up the culture. Do you think? Well, yeah, that's a good, good point. And I think, I think the problem that Dennis Allen's got right now and Mickey Loomis and the, the brain trust out there is they're, they're trying to get everybody rowing in the boat with the same effort in the same direction. And when you've got people that aren't, uh, you've got to make a decision. Can we get them back in the boat rowing with us? Or if not, then we've got to move on. I think that's part of this offseason evaluation they're going to be doing. And look, I think I think Mike Thomas is complicated because, you know, he had an incentive-laden deal, so he needed to put up numbers. He needed yards and catches to, to earn some of the incentives. You know, he was making top wide receiver money for a long time, and then the injuries caused them to have to rework his deal, and he lost millions and millions of dollars because of that. So it's, it's a complicated situation. And so I understand his frustration, but you can't throw your starting quarterback under the bus, especially one that was brought in to be the leader of the team by the head coach who's under fire right now and trying to win and save his job. He knows this is a big year. So obviously uh, that probably sealed his fate here in New Orleans. I think it may have, especially when you, again, you consider culture and leadership and all that. Got a really good Super Bowl coming up. I mean, it's, 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 there's so many sub-stories, it's crazy. But uh, what do you expect? Yeah, I think it's going to be an incredible game. I mean, rematch, right, of, of a Super Bowl a few years back. I think it's San Francisco's time. It's Cal Shanahan's time. Exercise those demons from that loss with the Falcons to the Patriots. I mean, he's been such a great coach. They've had so many great teams there. And, you know, Sean Payton used to always say, you know, you just get there enough times and eventually – you know, it's your day, and I think it's going to be that way for the night. I think they're a more complete team, and I think they're going to – look, I, I think the Chiefs had an incredible game plan. They won that game with defense. I mean, people keep talking about Pat Mahomes, but the, the strength of the of the Chiefs team this year is their defense, and they run the ball well. They're really not an explosive offense anymore, and uh, he's still able to make timely plays, but he only scored 17 points. They had four first downs in the second half. So uh, that game was won by Steve Spagnolo, a former Saints defensive coordinator, um, who just had a remarkable game plan for Lamar Jackson. But I don't think it's going to be as easy going against Cal Shanahan and Brock Purdy in that offense. And I think the Niners get it done. You go back and look at Cal Shanahan, and man, he's really definitive. I, I think back about decisions he's made about quarterbacks, who's going to play, who's not going to play, who's traded, who's not. He had a vision of what he wanted to create. And man, he's he's really a dogged leader as a head coach. And it would be it would it would be substantial if he wins this game. I mean, it would just be sort of the the uh, the the icing on the cake for a, a, a tough road, a building a strong team, building his defense, building an offense, getting his quarterback. 
the Brock Park Purdy story, and you know we've already heard that once, but we're gonna we're gonna hear it all over again. It's just a hell of a story, isn't it? Yeah, Brock Purdy reminds me a lot of Drew Brees, a lot of ways, mobile enough, like by time. And look, you know, I think for Saints fans, watch that game because you know Clint Kubiak and Brian Greasy on that on that offensive staff are two of the leading candidates for the offense coordinator job here. Uh, and and what I think is funny is a lot of people talk about. Shanahan McVay tree and they act like this is some totally new defense offensive concept. I mean, it's all the same as what the saints run under, under Sean Payton and John Gruden. It's the, it's basically the Mike Shanahan Gruden, Mike Holmgren offense. It's not, they put their tweaks on it like everybody does, but it's very similar. So if they were to bring in one of those guys from the Niners, I don't think it's going to be some landmark change in the way the saints run their offense. Matter of fact, I think that'd be an attractive thing for the Saints because they know bringing in somebody like that, especially Brian Greasy, who played under John Gruden, played under him, was basically his biggest influence, bringing him into the building here with what they already have going on offense. Yeah, the underdog, underdog story around Purdy just is fascinating, especially, you know, when you you know match him up again against Mahomes. Hey, listen, what's interesting is, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some murmurings coming out of Saints uh, camp that Jake Hayner is not somebody they're going to give up on. There's there are some people in the building that are still high on him, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. I've said that all along. They they love Jake Hayner, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's the backup quarterback this year. Uh, they like him that much, and he's a guy that uh, I think people have forgotten about. But that rookie class, I think, is better a little bit better than people think. Just hasn't got a lot of exposure so far. Pretty pretty amazing. Um, then we're we're all going to get to see all we want to see and hear about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, I, a, I think ahead. it's fascinating, man. Me I mean, too. I, I'm all in on it, bud. Yeah, I, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's great for the NFL. It's great for her. She's getting exposed to an audience that probably weren't Swifties, right? I mean, the NFL fans. Hey, uh, and hey. I wouldn't be surprised if she were the the, the Super Bowl halftime show next year in New Orleans. Hey, listen to me. Ball. The documentary about her that's on, uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I watched it recently because I wanted to get back in my head about what you know what her road to where she is has been. Lord, she's broken every record there is to break. I had a I have a friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Jake Carter, and his daughters know all about this team. They know all. They can tell you anything you want to know about Kansas City, and they would have never cared at all about it. And I'm, I'm I'm serious. They really do know who the players are and who their brothers and the families are. They pay attention to this stuff, and and you. you saw a recent analysis that said she's worth over $330 million at the NFL just based on going to those games. It is a fascinating story. People are going to get sick of it, but it is really good for the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Totally agree. Two mega cultural, pop cultural forces <laughs> joining joining forces. Uh, and Taylor Swift the in the NFL. Real. The relationship is real. That's what so- I didn't think it was for a long time, but I'm convinced now. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Hey, my friend, it's Jeff Duncan from Nola. That kind of attention. It's been a pleasure to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Ricky. We'll talk next week, buddy. Okay. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Mississippi Aquarium. We'll see you after this. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.